0: be seated. You take your copy of God's Word this morning, please, we'll be opening to the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, and do me a favor as you're finding Luke chapter 2, if you'll take that hymn book in front of you and uh, open it up to uh, number 87, and you can keep that under your Bible as we continue our series on Christmas carols, so Luke chapter 2 and number 87 in your hymn book. Turn on the radio during this time of the year, and you're likely to find Bing Crosby crooning away on its beginning to look a lot like Christmas. But if you're honest, maybe it doesn't look a lot like Christmas in your life. Perhaps today it feels anything but like Christmas. Perhaps this has been a very difficult year for you. Perhaps this past year you've buried a loved one, you've lost a job, you've suffered financially, you've struggled in some way. If if you're honest today, perhaps you even dread Christmas. The question I want to address today is what do you do when it doesn't feel like Christmas? I'm not talking about the weather, because it certainly doesn't feel like Christmas, does it? It's going to get colder, thankfully, before we get there. But what do you do when you don't feel like Christmas? By the way, what does Christmas feel like anyway? I ran across an article called, How to Get Yourself into the Christmas Spirit, And the authors wrote, I'll tell you one thing, everyone deserves to feel that special Christmas feeling. Nothing can compare to it, so read this article and with time, you will begin to feel it like you once did before. And then in an article, they went on to outline eight different things or eight steps that you need to take in order to feel like it's Christmas. Some of those steps included listening to Christmas music. Baking Christmas cookies and hanging up Christmas ornaments. And if you did enough of those eight things, eventually, according to them, you're going to feel like it's Christmas. Well, really, is that the solution? Christmas music or baking cookies or whatever. But again, what does Christmas feel like? Does it even have a feeling to it? You know, I guess most would describe the Christmas feeling as one of happiness. Something like a a warm cup of hot chocolate. Or something fuzzy like uh, your favorite slippers. Pure happiness, if you will. That would be how many would describe Christmas. Pure happiness. But if you're honest, what if your feelings today of Christmas are more like the charred remains of burnt sugar cookies? What if that's really the way you feel today when it comes to Christmas? What then? What do you do? When it doesn't feel like Christmas. Dan Schaefer wrote a book called In Search of the real Christmas or real spirit of Christmas. And he has a chapter in that book that got me thinking along these lines entitled, When It Doesn't Feel Like Christmas. And he tells this story, listen. He said, author and speaker Jill Briscoe recalls being asked to speak to a church gathering in Croatia for 200 newly arrived refugees. They were mostly women because the men were either dead or in a camp or fighting. She was scheduled to speak in the evening, but after seeing their terrible situation, what she had prepared seemed totally inadequate. So she put her notes away and prayed this way, God give me creative ideas they can identify with. That evening she told the refugees about Jesus, who as a baby became a refugee himself. He was hunted by soldiers, and his parents had to flee to Egypt at night, leaving everything behind. Sensing that her audience was listening intently, she continued telling them about Jesus' life. And when she got to the cross, she said, He hung there naked, not like the pictures tell you. Her listeners knew what she meant. Some of them had been stripped naked and tortured. At the end of the message, she said, All these things have happened to you. You are homeless. You have had to flee. You have suffered unjustly. But you didn't have a choice. He had a choice. He knew all this would happen to him, but he still came. Then she told them why. Many of the refugees knelt down, put their hands up and wept. He's the only one who really understands, she concluded. How can I possibly understand, but he can? Schaefer went on to say, this is the part of the Christmas story that we've often neglected. God had a choice and that choice carried serious and deadly consequences. It began with him abandoning his divine glory and humiliating himself, becoming as vulnerable as deity could make himself, becoming a human child. He came to suffer and die. There is no tragedy, humiliation, loss, or pain that he has not known. We can festively decorate the message of his entrance into our world with mangers and stars and wise men and shepherds, but we cannot festively decorate the purpose of his entrance. And I want you to listen carefully to these last couple sentences. Ironically, in those times when it least feels like Christmas, it might be most like Christmas. When nothing seems comfortable or normal or familiar, we are closer to experiencing the purpose of Christmas than at any other time. We are nearer the true Christmas spirit than we could ever imagine. That sentence where it said, when it least feels like Christmas, it might be most like Christmas, got kind of caught my attention. I began thinking about that. When it least feels like Christmas, it might be closer to Christmas than we've ever been in our lives. Why? Because think about the hardship, the discomfort, the unfamiliar circumstances that happened on that first Christmas. As they had to leave and go and to be with all those others and there they are and all the unfamiliar surroundings and all the changes in their life plan. And think about the Lord Jesus Himself stepping out of the splendor of glory, roving Himself in flesh as a little baby. You see, beloved, when it seems that things are not the way that we'd like them to be, we might just be closer to Christmas than we've ever been before. Instead of happiness at Christmas, what we really need is Joy. Joy. And you say, well, preacher, is there a difference between happiness and joy? I'd like to submit to you that there is a difference. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with being happy at Christmas. And I hope you are happy at, uh, today. I hope you'll be happy in the days to come. I hope you will be happy. But you see, beloved, happiness is a fragile thing. Uh, uh, happiness depends on what happens. If, if things are going good, then we're happy. But when things start going bad, then we're not happy. You see, happiness is very fickle, it's very fragile, it's fleeting, it's temporary. What we really need is joy. Joy. Abiding joy. Lasting joy. Deep joy. You see, when the angel announced the birth of Jesus to the shepherds, you're in Luke chapter 2 by now, I hope. I want you to notice what the angel said in Luke chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. The Bible says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great "Great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. You see, beloved, joy doesn't depend on what's happening around me. Joy is based on the one who lives within me. Don't ever forget that. Please catch that. Happiness depends on what's happening. Good things or bad things. It's fickle. It's fleeting. It changes. But joy depends on the one within me. And we know as a believer, as a child of God, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you have abiding within you, indwelling you, the Spirit of Almighty God, the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen to what the Bible says in Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the Spirit, if you remember the verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love... What's the next one, do you remember? Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6 says, And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus prayed this, John 17, 13. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. And so God's desire for us is joy. The Lord Jesus' prayer for us is joy. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives to bring about love and joy and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness. And what we need during this time of the year is joy. Do you see the difference between happiness and joy? David and Warren Wiersbe said people who are outer directed are happy when circumstances are favorable, but people who are inner directed, that is having faith in Christ, are joyful when circumstances are unfavorable. See, Christmas means great joy to all people. That's what the angel said. Regardless of what's going on in the people's lives. Why? Because God stepped in the flesh to rescue us from our sin. And if anyone receives receive him as Lord and Savior, they'll find forgiveness of sin, the free pardon of God, a home in heaven. They'll be made a child of God and they'll be given lasting, abiding, deep-seated joy regardless of what happens. Regardless. And that's why our final Christmas carol in this series today is Isaac Watts' Joy to the World. The Lord is come. I want you to look at it with me. You're on page 87 in your hymn. Now I want to read through it. I know many of you know it by heart and and you've sung it for many years. At least you know the first verse maybe. But let's look at it today as we think about this theme of joy. Good tidings of great joy to all people. The hymn goes this way, if you'll follow along as I read. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns, let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rock hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found, far as the curse is found, far as, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love and wonders, wonders of his love. Joy to the world. The Lord Is come. Now that song was first published. I don't think anybody here will remember it. But back in 1719. uh, That song came out. And it was in Isaac Watts uh, collection. Called the Psalms. This is what the book was called. The Psalms of David. Imitated in the language of the New Testament. Applied to the Christian state in worship. Uh, Book titles were very long. It seems back then. And very detailed. I have some older books in my library. And sometimes the book titles. we, We like short and concise. But that's what it was titled. And it was basically Watts' interpretation of Psalm 98. Uh, Basically, it was him interpreting Psalm 98 in poetic verse and song. Uh, You'll notice in in, in our hymnal, the verse right under uh, the title is Psalm 98. Uh, verse number 4 where it says shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Uh, The whole verse goes this way. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Break forth in song rejoice and sing praises. And so Watts took Psalm 98. uh, This is a New Testament uh, uh, language interpretation of that applied to the Christian state in worship and he brought forth this song we sing called joy to the world. The Lord is come. Now I want you to try to imagine Christmas without this song. Don't do it. I was going to say rip it out of the hymn book, but some of you might take me literally. But imagine ripping that out of the hymn book. There is no joy to the world the Lord has come. How sad would that be? This is a favorite among the church. It's also been recorded by many artists. Uh, Andy Williams, Mariah Carey, The Supremes. I'd like to hear that version, wouldn't you? (laughs) Dolly Parton, uh, Nat King Cole, Faith Hill, uh, many others have all recorded "Joy to the World, the Lord is come." But here's the interesting thing about this beloved Christmas carol: it's not really a Christmas carol, at least not originally. It was not originally a Christmas carol. It's obvious from reading the hymn, reading the carol, that we don't have the first coming of Jesus in mind here. It has his second coming in mind. And, and this Christmas carol, there's no mention of Mary. Or Joseph, or the wise men, or the shepherds, or the manger, or any of that. No, we have a picture of Jesus coming, and He's coming and and ruling and reigning. Now, I hope the fact that it wasn't originally a Christmas girl doesn't ruin it for you. In fact, I hope after today it will actually encourage you. You'll be excited about it in a fresh way. Because I want you to notice this. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her King. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Uh, No more let sins and sorrows grow. He rules the world with truth and grace. We see a picture of His second coming here. And while we celebrate today the birth of that baby so long ago, born in Bethlehem, born in that place, placed in the manger, it's important to be reminded during the Christmas season that He is no longer a baby. And He is no longer in the manger. And in fact, He is no longer a helpless babe. He is the risen and soon coming King of kings and Lord of lords. You see, beloved, there's a great difference between the way the Lord Jesus came the first time and the way He'll come the second time. Someone has written, the first time Jesus came, He came veiled in the form of a child. A star marked His arrival. Wise men brought Him gifts. There was no room for Him. Only a few attended His arrival. He came as a baby. But they said the next time Jesus comes, He will be recognized by all. Heaven will be lit by His glory. He will bring rewards for His own. The world won't be able to contain His glory. Every eye shall see Him. He will come as Sovereign King and Lord of all. And we should keep that in mind as we celebrate His first coming, the fact that He's coming again. And He's not coming in the same way. He's coming in glory and majesty. And He's coming to sovereignly rule and reign. He's coming in power and great glory. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And Isaac Watts here says, Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rock, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins and sorrow grow. Will not that be a great day, beloved? When the Lord finally does away with sin. It says here, Nor thorns infest the ground. Why do we have thorns today? Because of the fall of man. It was not that way in the beginning. God created a perfect man. Perfect woman. Put them together in holy matrimony. Placed them in a lovely, beautiful garden. Made them keepers of the garden. Gave them that assignment. Gave them all of that fellowship with themselves. Says, listen, don't eat of this tree. And yet they disobeyed. They sinned. They ate of that forbidden fruit. And they died. And they were cut off. Fellowship with Almighty God. And and the ground was cursed. And thorns and thistles. And no longer will you very easily tend the ground. Now by the sweat of your brow. And the curse is here. But it says here, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of His righteousness and wonders of His love. Beloved, what we need today during this time of our lives, during this Christmas season, is we need joy. We need joy. That's today's theme, joy. And I want to ask you as we think about the Lord's first coming... His first advent. We think about the Lord's second coming, His second advent. Do you have this joy in your heart today? Another way of asking it on this Christmas Sunday is this. Do you have the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Are you ready? Should He come today? Do you realize how many were not ready when He first came? Many were looking and yet they missed Him. And others denied Him. And they rose up and crucified Him. They weren't ready. Are you ready? Should Jesus come again? He's coming. The Bible makes it very plain and clear. Are you ready? Should Jesus Christ come today? Do you have Him as your Lord and Savior? You know, we talked about the curse and sin and death. And we're spiritually dead in our sin. But the reason that God sent that little baby so long ago, perfect God and perfect man joined in the flesh... Is to take our place. And He grew up and lived a sinless, perfect life. Tempted in all points, like as we are, the Bible says, yet without sin. Perfectly fulfilled the law. Perfect righteousness. And yet He voluntarily gave His life on that cross. Nailed to that cross. He suffered, He bled, He died. He took upon Himself our sin. Why? Because He loves us. And desires a relationship with us. And restores that relationship that we have with the Father. But only if we'll receive Him as our Lord and Savior. Only if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the greatest Christmas gift you will ever receive in your life is Jesus. He's the true Christmas gift. He's the greatest Christmas gift. He was the first Christmas gift, wasn't he? The reason we celebrate and give gifts today is because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever, that means you, should believe in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. With that everlasting life comes joy. Now, I don't know what's happened in your life. My wife and I were discussing recently 2013 has been one of the hardest years we've ever had in our marriage, in our family. With all that's going on, In our family's life, her losing her dad, and so much that went on through this past year. But in the midst of that, there's still joy. See, it doesn't matter what happens. If you have the Lord Jesus, you can have that true, abiding, lasting joy. Why? Because it's not based upon what happens, it's based upon the one who lives within me. And I hope the one who lives in you. And I don't know what you're going through today, and I don't know what you're facing. Maybe you're lonely. You know, for so many, Christmas is one of the the great highlights of the year. For others, it's one of the lowest parts of the year. Maybe you're lonely today. Maybe you're hurting. Maybe you're sorrowful. I want to tell you something. You can have joy this Christmas. You can have joy if you have Jesus. And I want to encourage you on this Sunday before Christmas, if you've never given your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you, do it today. Do it this morning. Do it in this service. Very simply, place your faith in the Lord Jesus. Express it in a very simple prayer if you'd like. Just say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. But I believe You sent Jesus for me. I believe He died for me and He he rose again for me. I, I believe You loved me so much You gave Jesus. And I receive Him as my Lord and my Savior. I don't want my sinful life anymore. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want to give my life to You, God. And I take Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And upon the authority of the Word of God, if you mean business with God, He'll do business with you. And He'll forgive you of your sin. He'll give you a home in heaven. He'll make you a son or daughter of God. And He'll give you eternal life. And He'll give you joy. Joy. Deep, lasting joy. Do you have the Lord Jesus today? The hymn writer asked the question very eloquently. And mentions it very very appropriately where he says, let every heart prepare him room. I wonder, have you made room in your heart today for the Lord Jesus? If not, would you receive today the greatest Christmas gift ever? The Lord Jesus. Let us pray. <coughs> Our most gracious Heavenly Father. I don't know what has gone on in the lives of your people here. Those listening to the sound of my voice. But you do. Lord, perhaps some today are struggling in great ways. Great challenges. Sorrow, loneliness, sadness. So many emotions. Lord, I pray if anyone here does not know the Lord Jesus and have that joy that super exceeds our happenings and our circumstances, that joy that's based upon the one who lives within us, then I pray in this closing hymn as we sing joy to the world, the Lord has come, that they would make room in their heart for the Lord Jesus. I, I thank you in the midst of all that happens to us in life, we can still have that deep, abiding joy that's found only in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would help people to surrender to you today. I pray that some will be saved today. I pray that you'll just work Holy Spirit in the lives of these people here. And we ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You have the hymn book open already to 87. We're going to sing that very simply. Here's the invitation. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ before, if you're not sure about it, but you'd like to make it sure today, here's what I want to ask you to do. As we sing this closing hymn, just simply step out from where you are. I'll be standing right down there. You come and say, Preacher, I want to receive the Lord Jesus. I'll simply welcome you place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll take a Bible and share Jesus with you. That's just as plain as it is. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to call attention to you. We want to help you. We want to introduce you to our Savior and our Lord. And so if that's you today as we sing this closing You just step out, come to me here, and I'll place you with someone who will love you and love Jesus. And they'll lead you to the foot of the cross. And there you'll find Jesus. And there you'll find true, lasting joy. Can we stand up to sing that hymn, 87, Joy to the World, the Lord is God.